Okay. Episode 10. What have we learned so far? Well, I don't know. The f episode 1 now looking back, I would love to wipe it out, but I'm not going to um because that's just where this thing started. Now, let me explain what had been going on for a couple years was I was writing these posts. I believe I began in the summertime. This must have been two summers ago. And this must have been, let me look, 679 posts ago. The, the issue I was having, I was writing a lot. Um, a bunch of um, screenplay-esque ideas, things that were very heavily edited, very meticulous, very um, trying to make them perfect, like the things we admire on our screens. And um, that was all fine and dandy, but there was a missing output um, to it all, and I was unsettled. So I started writing these small little posts. Um, close, it's, it, I'd be hard pressed not to call them poems, but for some reason, at this point, the calling them poems doesn't seem right. Um, I think that implies a certain kind of, um, not intensity, but a certain kind of, uh, attempt at, uh, perfectionism or an attempt to kind of, um, talk about feelings in an extraordinary way, in a hyperbolic way, etc., etc. It's just annoying. Uh, yes, I... Have, uh, it, there's a many, many poets I read and admire and have for a long time, but in, in the year 2022, sitting down and writing poetry just kind of seems pretty fucking lame. And as much as I do have the impulse, it's also, um, you know, it's something I never was able to shake for whatever reason. But, you know... Uh, living in the world of writing poetry, sitting down to write a poem is terribly uninspiring to me. And then trying to have a, you know, website that you publish your poetry on also, to me, doesn't feel very inspiring or exciting. So the, uh, what I was comfortable with was calling them posts they're shittier than poems and they're meant for the world of the internet and the, you know, um, these dumb little websites that, uh, exist everywhere. So onwards and onwards I go posting those and, f um, feeling absurd and they're, they're cart, they're dumb cartoons that, um, I think my, my, self-conscious side uh, demands to 
not um, own up to the the impulse and to uh, not want to take them take it seriously or respect that that side of myself so you know constantly at odds with the impulse to write these kind of things perhaps the seems like the the term I keep kind of coming back to it as of recent is the utility of it all what what is the utility of all I've, I've always been very concerned with that and if there is no measurable utility then you know go out and figure do something that has some use in the world is uh you know seems important right anyway um they were piling up and piling up and people were reading them you know it's like kind of like if i'd have a conversation with um certain friends whatever say oh yeah like here's this thing i'm doing and you could see the numbers building you know every slowly very slowly but surely until you could kind of see like wow like um we got repeat customers here so i've i've seemed like people were getting kind of uh they were checking up on it and maybe reading this tiny little thing once a day um or maybe they'd you know come on once a week i don't really know but if i look back on all these things i can see like it's uh it's sticky and that's good eventually the i began teaching some courses and going on to to when I would teach these courses to my students, I would go on these long monologues, um, sometimes two hours, two and a half hours talking about this, that, and the other. And I got the impulse to, I was like, well, what if, you know, I have to teach them whatever, but what if I could teach them, what if I could go on these monologues and, and I had the impulse to route all of this creative energy from not only these posts but also the um the stories that that i work on um and you know talk about it here so you know i was kind of poking around and um decided to start doing these recordings of these of the posts i was like well what happens if i just read them and then maybe talk about them or something. I really had no idea. I was just like, that seems fun. That seems like a, a thing to do. And now, you know, 10 weeks later, I was very scared to do it at first, extremely like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. I, if I could even do five minutes without sounding like a complete fucking fool and just embarrassing myself, even in front of myself, even the idea of recording myself talking without anyone ever hearing it, I was still like, that's got to be, uh, you know, large, an interesting amount of um, procrastination and fear surrounding all that. So one thing that's great, so two and a half months later, I've had a lot of fun doing it. And here we are. I got hours of, of these, these posts or these, what are they, podcasts now, episode 10. So that's something to celebrate. And maybe there's some thoughts there, you know, just kind of push past that point of, um, you know, procrastination and fear and get, and if you can touch on that thing, that idea you had or that impulse, you had to do something that you, you were interested in 
for whatever unexplainable reason, no matter how kind of stupid or maybe um, ashamed you, you may feel, you know, you can get past it and grow into something kind of better. And now that is not some fucking baggage I'm carrying around. Uh, and now that baggage has transformed into something new, some other things. So whatever. Um, episode 10. That's my preamble for episode 10. A lot of things I wanted to talk about writing wise. Um, one being uh, last at the end of last week, you know, I read a small excerpt, the first maybe 10 pages, I forget, of the story Lotus Pond Earth um, that you can check out on the website joshuahillalbarski.com. That was okay. I was I read it and I was like, you know, one thing I've that I've been doing is reading all of these old stories out loud and you know recording them and and you really get a gut feeling very fast. Okay, um, this part's bullshit or this makes me feel really uncomfortable or this part's really good. I actually like this. This is surprising. I'm having fun. So it's really uh, um, a really excellent habit that uh that i want to keep developing i think it's making me a better writer faster than most other things are uh, also something that i think um fearful of doing or thinking you know oh I, you should pay an actor to do it for you or something but i think it's it's really important uh, if you can kind of um humble yourself and and read your work out loud, even alone at your desk. Uh, it goes a long way. And um, yeah, it's, it's, that's been helpful. So Lotus Pond Earth, read that beginning part. It wasn't too bad. During the week, I kept going. I was recording it, trying to kind of do, get the audio book down, recording, recording, but... Um, and I got about halfway, and it's there. I'm not like, as much as I want to delete it and edit the story and, you know, go down the rabbit hole and all of this kind of nonsense, you know, I'll, I'll go at it again and finish the rest of it and just, you know, record it and move on. And there's a, some really obvious, like, uh, things in the dialogue and certain sentences that I would like. So it would be so easy to change them and make them work but if i change one that means i'm changing the whole thing so i'm like very kind of almost superstitious and wary of editing them at this point i just maybe they're just done and they they go up and that's it and i don't edit them maybe i do i don't know that's something i would love to pay um an editor to help with because it's such a mind fuck from on my end. Even the the dumbest grammar mistakes, so simple. Anyone can figure this out. So why don't we say this? Any editors out there want to get involved, figure that kind of stuff out. I got a bit of cash in the bank. Maybe um, we could work something out. If editing fiction is ever something you'd uh, be inclined to do, use the form on the website, um, the the advertisement exchange program, um, different utility, but uh, you can reach me there. 
if that's something you want to do. Uh, I'm, I don't need a great editor. I just want someone, and I think that could uh, that could go a long way. That said, that said, the I felt really like oh my god, this Lotus Pond story. Well, I know what's good about it. There's a lot that isn't good about it, and and acting and voice acting. Is something I have no interest. I don't want to be good at it. I want to. I want my. Um, I'd like to be articulate when I speak, and for it to to be authentic enough, but not. To, you know, oh my! You're reading dialogue from two people, and if if you're the worst actor, ever, or you're not trying to act, how do you make the words come alive? Um, or not sound stupid. It's really if you had a bad actor read great lines, it's can make them sound pretty bad. And you know, maybe a great actor can make good lines sound good, but I'm me as an actor is problematic. Anyway, so that's something to just keep working on. And as I write new things, knowing I'm gonna read them more as I go, I think the the Venn diagram of my voice and my writing the more that those can combine the better off i am the more natural it sounds for me to read these stories and read these posts and those two worlds overlap more and more and more that's what i think um that's where the work is um uh going forward i can i can really sense how um that's that's the direction to go in for a long time you know it seemed like polishing things until you your hands are fucking broken was the thing to do working hard working non-stop hours on these projects and just obsessing over every detail but i don't know how fruitful that always is unfortunately it's it's nice to glamorize the idea of oh I did a 12 hour day on this project and you know I ate shittily and I drank 10 cups of coffee and my body's all fucking sore cuz I sacrificed everything to do this project but the result is not always what it's not always what I what you anticipate in that workflow it's, a, it's such a desperation and i think what can happen in that work and in that desperation is you lose sense of your authentic voice of who you who you are and you start moving into the zone of who you want to be and who you think you should be and no one really gives a fuck about that side of you they want the only thing they'll connect with is who you actually are the second they know you're bullshitting them, they're out, right? We will move on to, you know, some other show. That's where the work is. Um, you get it, I'm sure. Let's see. Okay, let's move into our posts. I know I have a lot more to talk about, but they'll it'll all find a way in okay let me talk about one more thing along the same lines 
uh, spelling and grammar and it's really it's a continuation of what I was talking about before but as much as I care I I do care about spelling and grammar and you know um, logic you know all of these things that are necessary I also know that that's not my strength I'm sure I've come a long way and maybe, you know, I don't know where the line is of me just being self-deprecating or me being delusional or me um, about my skill set. You know, if I'm spending so all these years and hours writing, surely I must be picking something up. But I don't I've never seen that as my my strength um, as as a writer. So that's one thing I'm trying to just you know, accept. And if there's mistakes in the story, it's just the way it is. And I gotta just move on and write the next thing and not be so concerned with that side of things. I don't think that's the the writing I'm necessarily meant to do. Um, and by meant to do, I think that's actually kind of not the the way I'd want to phrase that, but the the writing that I'm set up to do. I think I'm more set up to um, to do something else. I think there's other folks who could do that kind of thing a lot better. So, you know, a lot of the time we glamorize writing that feels very raw and very authentic and very as we say human when things are human they have mistakes now i don't want to use that as a crutch or something to kind of lean on um or you know an easy excuse right to not try my best with all that stuff to truly try my best um which i do i'm confident enough that i do but i gotta let it go if you know, I look back on some work and I, I truly, after, you know, X amount of revisions, just didn't see something. And I can't just say, okay, the the entire work is shit because I couldn't, because I used the wrong there or something. So all I'm trying to say is I'm just trying to get into a, a place where, you know, we, we, on one hand, we want things that feel authentic and human right with mistakes and blemishes and scratches and all that stuff and on the other hand when we see it we look at it and it's not perfectly polished and then we think it's amateur hour i think we're always of two minds when we're looking at, at you know a story or whatever content and it's um it's easy to kind of to judge things even with if you're the author or if you're the reader and I really think I just have to I already give too much of a fuck that now I need to put the effort in to not give as much of a fuck and test that that idea of like okay you know if we like things that are authentic and human well how far can you go 
And I'm not talking about going back and writing crazy abstract train of thought, um, super like subconscious, you know, um, long novels like that. Cause that, that's not, it's not what I want to do. I don't think that's helpful. Um, but it's, you know, in the details of it all. October 23rd, coffee, story called coffee. I don't want to think about any bullshit at the moment. I'm unconcerned and complacent. I'm good all around. Slightly irritated though. I'm thinking of a fake Halloween crow that was taped to someone's house. I don't want to think of any animals as metaphors. I'd like to watch TV and then sleep. I want to wake up tired so that the coffee is great. I would say that drinking coffee is my favorite thing to do of all time. On the last day of my life, lying in a hospital bed, I will drink the last cup and it will be really something to know that was the last cup. I don't even care if it's a bullshit cup. I'll still drink it. I'll take whatever they have. So, first let's talk about narration. There was one moment in that reading where I almost said the wrong word. I just like for a millisecond just kind of said the wrong syllable and then corrected and moved on. When I'm recording these long audio pieces, these long audio books, and I do that, you'd never hear that on like a quote professional audiobook right like you never hear the narrator like stutter <laughs> and then <laughs> oh sorry i meant this like it's so perfect all the time and all, what i'm trying to say is i'm fuck it and if i'm if you if my, my audiobook is going to just Maybe I'll, I'll stutter and say the wrong word and go back and make some errors. I'm trying to just lean into that without feeling like a complete fucking fool. Um, anyway, you can see where my head's at here. And again, every time I do this thing, you know, I go on this long spiel about what's going on and what my thoughts are. And then I revisit these posts and it's like, I'm just like the posts say it all already i'd went through it's like that 15 minutes i'm looking at the clock 20 minutes i just spent going on about whatever i'm like it's all in the post if i was to just read the post it's it's all there but what fun that wouldn't be fun it's more fun doing it my way i don't want to think about any bullshit at the moment i'm unconcerned and complacent i'm good all around slightly irritated though it's great those four little bits right there, that's got to be, you know, as good of a poem as anyone has ever seen, ever. <laughs> okay, it goes, I'm, gonna read, I'm reading again. I don't want to think about any bullshit at the moment. I'm unconcerned and complacent. I'm good all around, slightly irritated though. Maybe, maybe if there was one poem, there's one small piece of writing that 
I could make if I if I had to pick one thing, <laughs> maybe that would be it. Those four lines right there. I don't want to think about any bullshit at the moment. <laughs> I'm unconcerned and complacent. I'm good all around. Slightly irritated though. Okay. I'm thinking of a fake Halloween crow that was taped to someone's house. I don't want to think about any animals as metaphors. That's great. That's me, uh, that's me trying to grow. <laughs> a fucking decade of, you know, writing weird animal, uh, images. I don't want to, I was going for, the impulse was there. I'm thinking of, uh, fake Halloween crow that was taped to someone's house, which is true. On one of our neighbors had this, like, um, feathery kind of plastic crow thing and it was like taped on their table on their porch but it was on an angle um, and it was the strangest thing because it looked very much like a real crow but it was like defying gravity and there's a moment when I looked at it and it was so weird it just seemed like this kind of anti-gravity crow I'm thinking of a fake Halloween crow that was taped to someone's house I don't want to think of animals, of any animals as metaphors. I would like to watch TV and then sleep. I want to wake up tired so that the coffee is great. I would say that drinking coffee is my favorite thing to do of all time. And that actually may be true. I, I, I was thinking about it when I was writing this. And if I look back at my entire life, and the kind of maximum, um, you know, maximum joy payout, the return on investment of um, activity that's lasted for the longest, that I didn't have to quit because it was killing me. Would this would, coffee's gotta be it. On the last day of my life, lying in a hospital bed, I will drink the last cup. I had to take a sip of coffee just by talking about it. I will drink the last cup, and it will be really something to know that was the last cup. Imagine that. Really. I don't know if this writing does it justice to think about. You gotta imagine you're lying in your deathbed. You're like, this is... I'm going to die, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, but the end is here. And this, and you're, and, and you have a cup of coffee and you're, and you truly, this is the last, this, that's it. You're going to drink that sip and then that's it. That's the end of your life. It's not like you're abstaining from it and you've made the choice. It's like, no, this is the last, last coffee ever. And that, that was very, uh, that's an important, feels like an important image for me. I feel like there was something about that idea that, uh, I was able to just visualize so clearly for some reason that really kind of, um, just hit. I don't even care if it's a bullshit cup. I'll still drink it. I'll take whatever they have. Good. Now, 
let's continue and see what happened for the story called Coffee Number 2, Coffee 2, October 24th. You can see I pressed enter twice where I should have pressed it once. That is corrected. I'm trying to understand what I'm scared of when it comes to sharing my writing. Perhaps the thought is that every single person on earth will be disinterested and think it is dumb at best. The insecurity has not changed for as long as I can remember. The antidote for some years was to try to make it perfect. I would work and whittle it down to a matchstick and then look at the matchstick and see that it wasn't great and then toss it out without even having tried to light it. The match metaphor may be a bit melodramatic, but I will say that lately I've been messing with the barbecue lighter and it's going all right. I still haven't totally figured out the child safety lock, but it's starting to make more sense. What I think I've realized now is that insecurity will never go away. It has always been there, and there is no antidote. It's never going to leave. Okay, good. I guess that's it. I'm imagining drinking coffee on my deathbed. I'm feeling pleased about all of the time I sat and worked on my writing. Regardless of every motherfucker on the planet, I'm imagining drinking coffee on my deathbed and feeling good about that. Good. So, you know, thinking of my whole preamble, again, it's all coming through in these posts. And it seems like, um, you know, in doing this podcast and this kind of like creating this week and the, the kind of themes of the week and the thoughts of the week and, and taking the time to like uh, put them down on paper and then and then look over them and think about it. It's like, um, it's interesting because otherwise it just gets pent up and it just cycles through and there's no real output. And then you start feeling fucked up and I think things get dark and you get your insides light on fire. Um, you, you know, you're, you're, you just, just, there's so many, it's just, there's a black hole in, in your head. It just spirals and it's fucked up. And I, I get the, I don't know if um, everyone deals with that. Is the impression I get. Like, I just, I don't understand it, and I never have. I see it in that, like, a lot of people don't really need to write. <laughs> and it's like, why not? What are you, what else are you doing? Like, are you, are you able to, um, like, do you have, 
friends in your life that you have conversations with that are so like like real to you that it's enough <laughs> that doesn't make sense I just don't I don't get that you know it just even when you have great conversations yes it can like definitely help and like turn down the volume and get things out but even then I still feel the need to um go through this process and get it on paper and process it in, in certain ways. You know, um, even last night I had an a, a amazing conversation uh, with an old friend and caught up after a few years. And, you know, I think I'm even talked about some things then that I talked about already today in the, in the beginning, whatever. Felt very satisfied from, from having that talk, but I still need to... to uh, do it again here and write about it and et cetera, et cetera. But I know, I just know a lot of people don't it's just not what, what they need to do. <laughs> so, so that's, that's something, you know, that's something, something you got to deal with. And I guess for people that have the, the need to, uh, to do it that way, like you can't not. And I've, I've tried, I've went down roads in life trying to like well what if i just don't do any of this writing and just let it go and see if it just let it die but it just like like misery ensues <laughs> yeah right so this just seems like the way you gotta go anyway that's what this is all about in this particular writing so i'm trying to understand this is where it this is where it goes. I'm trying to understand what I'm scared of when it comes to sharing my writing, right? So I'm like, as I just explained, very um, uh, what's the word? It feels very true that the impulse and the kind of habit and and need to process my worldview through writing fiction slash whatever is not going anywhere and that much i understand to be true right you know but still so if that was the case then why would you feel frightened of sharing it with others if it was so necessary and and as soon as i say that i think of 10 reasons why um that's maybe the reason why anyway it'd be nice to not be fucking scared of doing that and just to have everything just let it go forever not not worry about it and that's i want to you know every week if i could just get a little less fucking in my head or a little less nervous about sharing my things um and getting more comfortable with that, I think I'll be better off. I'll sleep better at night and I will, um, I, will I won't carry as much, um, uh, just fucking, I won't, I'll be less miserable. <laughs> I'll be lay miserable. Um, so the, I'm trying to understand 
I got I got tripped up there and I said I'll be less miserable and then I thought of the the fucking Les Miserables and I just got confused <laughs> and then there was like a you know kind of muttered uh attempt at turning that into some kind of punchline but I knew that that was dead before it even left my mouth I'm trying to understand what I'm scared of when it comes to sharing my writing. Perhaps the thought is that every single person on earth will be disinterested and think it is dumb at best. And that is a true feeling. There's times when I write or I'm working on something where there's a loud, um, a loud thought, you know, loud kind of real estate in my mind that's saying, this is fucking dumb. Everyone in the world will hate this and think you fucking suck and that it's a piece of shit and and what were you thinking and on it's just like like loud fucking you know pressure. It's like in the frontal lobe. <laughs> it's just like, you know, balloons out. The insecurity has not changed for as long as I can remember. And that is true. Um, since I was a young kid, you know, grade, like, before I even knew what grade I was probably even in, like, first grade, second grade, I'm thinking of uh, uh, printing um, little pieces of writing off of uh, computer paper that, the, the you know, the, the pages were perforated on the sides with the little circles, and you'd have to peel it off, and they were all, the whole stack was attached, and I would print off little things I would write in like what seemed like DOS if you could print off a of DOS I don't I don't know but I have these memories of like writing little stories in like a black screen with neon green letters and then printing them um, I don't know if you could print off of DOS maybe you could print off of DOS Before you, I don't know what a word processor would have been like in fucking 1990 one or whatever the insecurity has not changed for as long as I can remember the antidote for some years was to try to make it perfect I wonder when that started that would have started later to make it to make it good that would have started after that would have started at least in high school taking the things and trying to make them fit better in junior high it was more just like i can't believe i'm fucking talking about writing in junior high and high school <laughs> it was like um more just like oh i i think i have something you've got like bursts of inspiration you know and then you just write 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 write, write. and then it seemed like almost like this like holy document or like a meaningful it was like the emotion behind it more so than the um, what it actually meant or something. It was just really blurry. And then it was only later, I think, where I'd really edit things over and over again and think about how to change them and make it better. And then, you know, post high school worlds, then it just things got out of control. I would, I would work and whittle it down to a matchstick and then look at the matchstick and see that it wasn't great and then toss it out. 
without even having tried to light it. Meaning, I would edit things until they were destroyed and then not show it to anyone uh, and, or maybe show it to like two people and then they'd be like, yeah, it's good. And they'd be like, no, it's not, you're an idiot. And then delete it all. <laughs> so much of that. Um, the match metaphor may be a bit melodramatic, but I will say that lately I've been messing with a barbecue lighter and it's been, and it's going all right. Isn't that sweet? So sentimental. I still haven't figured out the child safety lock, but it's starting to make more sense. What I think I have realized now is that insecurity will never go away. It has always been there and there is no antidote. It is never going to leave. And that is a new thought. I think I, as I pose this question to myself um, in this kind of really direct way, I was like, well, okay, what are you going to, like, you don't want to deal with this anymore? Okay, how, what are you going to do? Accept it. It's like, it's there. There's no way to get rid of it. You're always, those insecurities that you have had since, you know, since day one, why would you, that's your personality, dumbass. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't fight, you can't change that. Like, that's your default setting. And only by fighting it are, is it, you know, gonna stick around forever maybe the one way to let it go is to like really keep it you know and just accept it and all that stuff um you know what i'm saying and then it goes so it goes that insecurity will never go away it's always been there and there's no antidote uh it is never going to leave okay good i guess that's it <laughs> I'm imagining drinking coffee on my deathbed and feeling pleased about all the time I sat and worked on my writing. Regardless of every motherfucker on the planet, I'm imagining drinking coffee on my deathbed and feeling good about that. Very nice, very inspiring, very, uh, very great. That was coffee number two. Let's look at coffee number three. Today, I stopped in at the McDonald's and got a small coffee. I used the restroom. It was in the basement. It seemed like a plausible location to get murdered. It has been a while since I've been somewhere. I wrote someone. Since I've been somewhere that felt like that. But there was no one there. I took a piss and left. I got my coffee and stood on the street and drank it. It was nice out. I was not overwhelmed by any particular emotion, but I'm nostalgic for that moment, and it was only six hours ago. There were many leaves on the ground, and I was not dead. I was in the moment then. I was not in the moment then, but I am now. I didn't even finish the coffee. I had to toss it out in the end because it was too late in the day and I didn't want to fuck up my sleep. That is the thing about deathbed coffee. No matter how late in the day it is, I will finish that one. All right, let's, this one needs a bit of a uh, bit of work. So here's one thing that I quite, that's working for me with this whole um, podcast thing. 
as a whole. I get to nothing is permanent. Nothing feels permanent when it's in this this form. Which isn't true because as soon as this thing is recorded and then I put it onto the internet, then it's there. So there's no revision after that. But it's meant to get buried by the next one. So yes, it gets finished and you're able to put it out into the world. But the following week, I'm able to then revise my thoughts and update them and keep it going. And that's that feels very fun and correct. Um, that workflow is really... Um, I really enjoy that and the when we're talking about perfectionism and you know writing short stories and novels etc it's a relief to be able to you know work in, in these conditions and technology has let us kind of do that right this just didn't fucking exist before so that's really working for me a really small version of that was uh, so I'm reading this thing and I think it was this line it has been a while since I have been someone that felt like that and that was wrong and I was able to stop delete it and then you know save it and explain that edit in while presenting this piece and not to go too far into the you know the joys of tech road but in what other um, version of fiction writing ever could that really be the case where you could revise while recording in the same act and, and update it as needed? Um, I think that's something to really, um, it was, it's very confusing. It's like, well, if you can edit, if you can keep editing it forever, why, why would you ever stop? Right. But that is not, that's just going to make you crazy. Um, I don't know. I, I've struggled with that. The delete key is, we really, it's really fucking crazy to have a delete key. <laughs> it's like, I don't think people, give it enough credit honestly the um the invention of the delete key is such a game-changing phenomena for the the act of writing anything so anyway deleting stuff is crazy being able to it's just like the greatest and worst thing ever Today I stopped into the McDonald's and got a small coffee. I used the restroom, it was in the basement. It seemed like a plausible location to get mur murdered. And truly, you know, I feel like that's something you would see or it'd be like a, you know, joke or something. But I was like, yes, this location is so unsafe because you, you're in this McDonald's and then you go down these stairs and then further down this hallway and then inside of this bathroom 
and it just truly felt like so like I should have had a weapon going in there I could so easily just get jumped and robbed why would I not like if I was a guy who you know was into <laughs> um, um, if I was a thief and or a murderer like that'd be uh, that McDonald's basement a pretty good place to do what you gotta do just clearly is the way that it's set up and no one's going down there you know maybe once a day I know they have like the chart or something where it says that the employee's gotta go down there but like god forbid any employee ever has to go down there during operating hours it was just wrong you know like walk in and, and <laughs> for some reason the like the toilet paper thing by the toilet like someone's like taking the time to break it open and take out the toilet paper and then it like half of it was like wet in the the water the toilet fucking shitty toilet water and the other half of the the giant roll you know like the thinnest commercial toilet paper was like just all over the the ground in this kind of weird puddle and then the um i was like i didn't wash my i was like it's gonna be cleaner if i don't wash my hands if i just don't literally touch nothing and wash my hands uh somewhere else and that's what i did there's a few times where it feels cleaner to not wash your hands in a particular place anyway all this to say it was a real feeling like wow i could this could be the end i truly had the thought for a moment i could this is a dumb decision but i really i was, it was that or i was going to piss my pants it was just i was at the brink for whatever reason drinking too much water on the the you know when i was out and about but there was no one there i took a piss and left i got my coffee and stood on the street and drank it it was nice out I was not overwhelmed by any particular emotion. Again, a, uh, a wonderful... Um, can you... A, a wonderful line of poetry. It was nice out. I was not overwhelmed by any particular emotion. <laughs> but I'm nostalgic for that moment. And it was only six hours ago. There were many leaves on the ground, and I was not dead. I was in the moment then. I was. I, I read it like that the other time, too. I was not in the moment then. In the, the... What I'm describing... If you were to ever say you were... You know the difference of feeling like you're in the moment and feeling like you're not in the moment? You know, pretty easy distinction. And I know I wasn't in the moment at that time. It's often you think about uh, you have a memory of something that happened and you glamorize it and it seems so great but the truth is it's in that moment that you're remembering that you're in that moment <laughs> i was not in the moment then but i am now <laughs> I'm in that moment now. 
I didn't even finish the coffee. I had to toss it out in the end because it was too late in the day and I didn't want to fuck up my sleep. Very common occurrence. It's like over-caffeinated. I'm at the brink and I got I got to lose it. Sometimes I often I save it for the next day and drink it when I wake up. Um but I wasn't going to there's so little left, but still, I knew, I know my limit. Whoops. And, um, and here's the thought. I think this is, uh, and I don't know if it's articulated that properly, but this is the point. That is the thing about deathbed coffee. No matter how late in the day it is, I will finish that one. So, so here's a, a, a okay two things to break down with this one to me that's got to be one of the of all of our earwig review episodes and all of the things we've talked about i feel like to me that is perhaps the most satisfying thought of them all when you're so concerned about okay if i I don't want to drink too much coffee because i'll have a shitty sleep and then i'll be tired etc or I won't be able to fall asleep and then I'll be tired the next day blah 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 you know what I'm talking about very simple simple phenomena but imagine knowing you're going to die and drinking that coffee and how little <laughs> it's, it's this idea of like I feel like even then I would still be worrying about, oh shit, what if I am not able to sleep? It's almost like, oh, if I drink this coffee, I won't be able to. Oh. Um, you know, when I, when I first started doing this, the podcast here, I was so worried about outdoor sounds and, you know, the fan not the fan and all the noises in the house and just trying to make it right but um, I've really it doesn't matter I think that's one thing that um, I think I'm also it's transferring to the writing a bit more too with all the stuff is like how do you select what roughness matters and what doesn't and trying to own up to that and not procrastinate through perfectionism and not hide behind the work through perfectionism so i mean the window's open the fans on people in the house whatever i was so scared the first few times and you know it's still a bit there like the people in the house um you know my wife and mother-in-law hearing me talk and do this record right and just kind of hear the mutterings from the other side of the wall and to now be comfortable more a lot more comfortable with that but i was like deeply deeply scared of of that for you know those the, especially the first one and the second and third etc i was like oh maybe you know maybe when no one's home and that'd be great and then i could just whatever but the more i'm able to like level that off it's just so much better for my life 
anyway, this idea about worrying about having not being able to sleep or having a bad sleep on your deathbed just felt so satisfying and funny to me because you're going to die. <laughs> and uh, there's no waking up. That's the whole point. Like, it's over. Like, if there was one thing I would do on my deathbed, I would drink tons of coffee. I don't know why. Just to, I guess, be super alert. Uh, to You know? <laughs> and maybe you drink so much coffee that you wouldn't... You what Then you'd be so jacked you wouldn't die. Your body just couldn't shut down. It's possible. No, it's not. Anyway, coffee. That's coffee one, two, and three. I'm happy with the way those turned out. Not the greatest posts ever, but feels like newish territory, and and that's working for me. Sweeping the cave. Okay, let's see. Let's see what this is about. A slug in the cave is pointless to mention at this point. But what about the smoke alarm that was hidden beneath the lasagna noodle that was stuck to the ceiling? I'm standing beneath it, watching the flash of light pass through the noodle. It has begun beeping. There is a low battery. But that slug could be the battery. I have to capture that slug and put it inside of the smoke alarm, or else the beeping will never end. Shark fin ice cream. That is what has become of it all. It is as the saying goes. I don't remember which saying, but you know what I mean. It's too late now. I've mentioned the slug. I've mentioned the lasagna noodle. I've mentioned the smoke alarm, and I've mentioned the shark fin ice cream. I'm going to come back to the cave later with a power washer. I tried sweeping it out, but the entire floor is dirt. I cannot sweep up the dirt if the floor is dirt. That's it. That's what the saying I forgot. That was the saying I forgot. I cannot sweep up the dirt if the floor is dirt. I knew it would come back to me. It always does. Not bad. Not bad. Sweeping the cave. That was working. That was me. Okay, I'm... Random imagery attack. It's just like, you know, I got the bug. I got the fucking. Gotta get, get the random images out. Thinking of the, um, I got a picture here. Got, got to figure out what to do with it. And and just going with it. The, the other three were like this whole coffee thing was just like I don't want to talk about random animals and metaphors and all this shit I'm trying to pretend like I'm all grown up 
writing the real death talk. <laughs> and then, uh, okay, get that out of your system. So, uh, you know, figured that out. And then here we are, right back to normal. Slug in the cave is pointless to mention at this point. <laughs> and that's just fun because, you know, because it is. And still self-conscious with this animal shit and this random, the fiction of it all, right? Trying to, um, trying to understand it. Trying to just really like, what's, what's with this? What's with this idea? But what about the smoke alarm that was hidden beneath the lasagna noodle that was stuck to the ceiling? So it's like, okay. We're in the abstract. We're we're using the vocabulary vernacular of, um, you know, the realm of nonsense. Abstract nonsense, but we can't deny that's what what it is. I'm standing beneath it, watching the flash of light pass through the noodle. It has begun beeping. There's a low battery. Okay, we got a problem. Low, nothing, few things in, in our domestic lives are so dramatic. And so, okay, whatever you're doing, drop it. Everyone get angry. Everyone get, just go find the fucking broomstick. Get a chair to stand on. Just start freaking out. <laughs> These smoke alarms start beeping they have a low battery it's like it's gonna feel really archaic one day but it's still what we what we got it's so dumb and then it's like you can't there's no way around it so we're in this cave. There's a slug there. We don't care about the slug, but it's there, so we have to mention it. And there was a noodle. Someone took a lasagna noodle and tossed it upward, and it went stuck to the ceiling, you know? And they and they, they did that, and it covered the smoke alarm. It's a problem. It's a safety hazard. But you can still see the little light flashing the smoke alarm light it flashes through the the noodle and it's begun beeping there's a there's a low battery and this is where things get this is where things get really good but that slug could be the battery the slug could be the battery aha so this smoke alarm does not take ordinary battery what you would consider an ordinary battery a, a d battery the smoke alarm in this cave it was required that a slug must go where the the d battery would i have to capture that slug and put it inside of the smoke alarm or else the beeping will never end shark fin ice cream that is what has become of it all is as the saying goes. I don't remember which saying, but you know what I mean. It's too late now. 
I've mentioned the slug. I've mentioned the lasagna noodle. I've mentioned the smoke alarm. And I've mentioned the shark fin ice cream. Now here's the issue. The shark fin ice cream thing. Everything else has found a, a home in the story. But the shark fin ice cream. What the fuck is that? I'm going back. And I'm going back to the ca- back to the cave later with a power washer. I tried sweeping it out, but the entire floor is dirt. I cannot sweep up the dirt if the floor is dirt. That's it. That's what the saying. That was the saying I forgot. I cannot sweep up the dirt if the floor is dirt. I knew it would come back to me. It always does. I like it. I like sweeping the cave. I like this post. I feel like it's a very much a classic earwig review style section. The parking lot. The parking cop. The parking cop. There were leaves on the windshield, some of them caught in the wiper. As I drove onto the highway, they all started blowing off except for one. And then I saw what the hell it was. Those weasel bastards put a damn yellow piece of paper under my windshield. I've got a permit, for Christ's sake, man. I went to the grocery store and bought the gluten-free matzo ball mix. Tomorrow evening, we will have the soup made by my mother-in-law. And if that parking cop comes back before then... I will tape the yellow piece of paper to his head and rob him of 30 bucks. If he's not a complete weasel bastard, then he will come in and have some soup. But if not, I'll tell him to take a hike. Next time, he'll think twice. Before putting trash under a windshield wiper. Wonderful. Not much to truly break down in this one. This one is more of a uh, slice of life post. This was just me doing exactly what was said, driving to the grocery store to get the gluten-free matzo ball mix and seeing there was a fucking parking ticket under our thing, getting driving along the highway, pissed off, thinking I should have, I was like, should I roll down the window and grab it before it flies off? Like I'm, you know, going like 80 or 100 or whatever. But it stayed. Because I don't know how if you lose the parking ticket, you lose the yellow slip. Anyway, waste of time. And uh, true, definitely just, you know, what an annoyance. We fought the parking ticket. We have a permit to park there. And what, you know, if you saw that the parking cop, because they came like 1130 according to the ticket. You have to go say something. Like, Listen, what, what's the, you see the permit? You see the sign? What's the problem? You know, take the fucking ticket and rip it up and 
Don't bother me with this shit. That's the point. <laughs> and last up, we have something called wire into the lizard brain. I've realized a technical issue. Here's something though, I'm just thinking. I remember last week, I probably jinxed the whole thing and got into my head about it. But I said that the Thursday post was always the one where I hit kind of the pinnacle, kind of built some momentum towards some bigger thought. And then on Thursday, I kind of, Thursdays would get, you know, I'd do it. It was always good. It seemed like on this Thursday, the post was uh, not very, it was what it was. But I think on one hand, it, I'm like doing a lot of advocating for trying to use my natural voice and be my authentic self, etc. And that's probably, the, that one is the most just like, you know normal but it's uninteresting and that's the that's the issue there's nothing interesting about too much authenticity it needs there needs to be a trick you need to trick the trick them into making it feel authentic but also there must be some interest to it it can't just be you know i sat in a chair for 12 hours and did nothing just because it's real doesn't mean it's fucking what anyone gives a shit about so it's it's the the it's the connection between those two things that's where the balance has got to be and that one was too too much of um just non-fiction just everyday life and there's nothing terribly interesting about that uh and it's also like you know if you think about criticize a piece of work that's like art therapy you're just like using it to deal with your emotions and nothing else and that's something that like i'm sure i've done more than a lot of people just like you know been down that road in in different ways but it can be good in certain times if you're really kind of going deeper than you would be able to to just having a conversation with someone and in that case it's like that post was more or less like an, a, a an annoying complaint of like, oh, aren't parking tickets annoying? Like that's all that's really was saying, I think. And uh, so it's like using the audience to just complain to, and that's fucking dumb. And in life, you don't want to complain to people, you know. Complaining is like, it's got to be the worst thing you can do complain about shit you know so anyway wire into the lizard brain 
I've realized a technical issue. In order to write in the way I see fit, it is important to disassociate from self-criticism, to let the ideas arrive through the antenna and set them up in whatever way. When the antenna is extended, it can be difficult to control impulses. Therefore, looking at stupid shit online, therefore, needlessly trimming stray whiskers, therefore, getting distracted. In order to let the mind wander, you have to let your guard down and become an imbecile. I'm not talking about editing or revisions, just getting the ideas down. You have to become a numb skull and wire into the lizard brain. Still, at the end of the day, when the words arrive and the pages pile up, and despite whatever happened, the work gets done, I will continue to try to be an idiot because somehow it seems like the right thing to do. Good. I like that one. That one is felt like um, that worked for me. And a little different. I don't usually... I feel like this is a result of doing this podcast, talking about these technicalities and articulating them. Usually I only do that verbally based on the writing. But this one actually is... I've basically done a post that feels more or less like something I would say on the show. So I'm kind of playing with that, I guess. Naturally, it's just kind of closing in. And um, I think that's probably a good thing. I realized the... This post I wrote on Friday when I was talking to my friend yesterday evening, Saturday, I was still on this train of thought without realizing I'd written it all down. I was kind of, you know, explaining it to him, this thought of like, it's realization that, you know, when you write, you have to like, go into a, you know, child's brain mode, right? You have to like, let your guard down and just have the ideas. And that comes from a place of, you know, your your lowest common denominator you're like trying to access that that side of things as i've talked about quite a bit when it comes to fiction writing um and just getting into the weird ideas and um the one of the the you know workplace hazards that i sure you know would always be there but it's so specific now and that when you're in that zone, let your guard down and just kind of trying to get into the, the deeper thoughts, into the subconscious, into the weirdness. You, your, impu- your impulse control, I think, also kind of turns off. It's hard to be uh, perfectly disciplined. The, the things clash. And I I think I've spent a lot of time trying to make that work, right? Sitting quietly and making sure everything is under control in my life and there's as little kind of distractions and unnecessary things as possible so that I can make room for, you know, all of that energy, right? 
but and that's fine but the problem is the the internet as a tool the internet and how it functions and what it does it's the 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 worst trap for when you're in that undisciplined position when you just want your thoughts to wander the impulse to go on the internet and how it pulls it's and the, the way that it's meant to pull you in from whatever you're doing you're so susceptible and you're so vulnerable to it when you're in that state and can spend a when you're i'll just be writing i'm writing i'm writing and then it's so fucking weird without even realizing it i'll be like i've gone on youtube just to see what new videos have come up i'm like where how did i get here it's like i don't think that it wasn't a i like put myself into enough of a creative gear shift that the impulse control is just like so soft that way and uh and you know writing is notoriously difficult in in that you'll always just try to you try to try to write and you're like okay i'm just going to put on a different shirt or i'm going to um go eat a snack or i'm going to go you know I'll just go on a quick walk or I'm just going to clean up this little side of things, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, the internet's just always right there and it's super terrible. And you can play games like that are, okay, turn off your internet connection or, you know, set limits or blockers or all these kind of things. But, you know, I've tried everything, but at the end of the day, I think all you can really I don't know I don't know actually I'm not, I haven't quite beat it maybe if I just unplug the thing once and for all it's like oh what if I had to google something it's like fucking what are you googling like you know <laughs> there's nothing to google um so that's something to work on I use a timer recently last couple I don't know months or something where like when I know I'm actually writing I keep the timer going and when i know i'm i've fucked off and i'm distracted i stop the timer so that um keeps me then i can look at how long i actually spent writing and how long and i'm not counting i'm not sitting in when i'm just mindlessly um on the internet looking at stupid fucking videos then uh that's getting counted too. It's just, you know, the timer's a good one. But anyway, that's always going to be an issue for all of us. Um, and uh, for better or for worse, probably... I don't want to say for, if it's better or worse. There's too many... It's too complicated. I couldn't say anything that isn't dumb by completing that sentence. And there we have it. Six posts from the week. Not the worst week. Definitely not the worst week. Most of those were pretty fucking good. And I see... I'm, I feel like I'm pu I've pushed into a bit of a better territory than 
a bit of the rut. I think I might have been in the week before. So I, I liked where this is going. And uh, and that's good. That's good. So that's at 679. That's post 679. So we're getting close to 700. But really, it's going to take another year to get to the 1,000 posts. And that feels like the real milestone is having 1,000 of these motherfuckers. But whatever. Kind of meaningless. I'll put it on YouTube. There's going to be a, a new image provided by Use Gallery. Check them out. That's uuus.info. And the image provided by a used gallery will be on the YouTube. So take a look. Um, you can subscribe there. You can subscribe on Apple. You can subscribe on Spotify. I have the Substack going. It's all the same shit. If you can... Subscribing is good. Listening is good. And if there's anything you'd be able to do to share the show with people who would might find it interesting or any ideas as to uh, you know making that developing that side of things be in touch um, or you know help me figure it out here because That'd be fucking just great. And that's what you gotta do. So, let me look at what I wanna read is. So, the, the story Lotus Pond Earth, which I'm feeling quite just odd about for a variety of reasons, is basically it's split in two. There's the first part I read last week, and then about halfway through, let's see, on page 451, then the story switches to a different point of view. Two characters, one of them's named Grover, one of them's named Kelvin. So I thought I would skip forward to their the beginning of their story and read a bit of them. So this is as far as I've gotten in the audiobook recording I was doing this week. So I'm going to record their bits um, this week at some point, and then I'll have the audiobook recording. But always good to do a little trial on on the show here in our at the end of the show is we always read a bit of prose see what's going on there so this is uh, chapter 3 uh, page 51 from Lotus Pond Earth which you can find on the website joshuahillelbarski.com j-o-s-h-u-a-h-i-l-l-e-l-b-a-r-s-k-y dot com Grover drank murky booze from a glass jar and passed it to Kelvin the men stumbled and Kelvin vomited into the yard they hit a baseball bat against a metal pole. Grover wrestled Kelvin to the ground. Inside of the house, Grover opened the fridge. There was nothing there, and so he slammed the door shut. Kelvin, what? We don't got any food. We ate it. Fuck, man. 
I'll go out and get some. Let's fucking go. They sped down the road in their yellow truck. Kelvin smoked from his pipe a resin-stained plastic tube. He opened the window and put his head outside, and the air blasted his hair and beard backward as they ripped down the highway. They found a perch that overlooked the highway. They lay on the ground and held binoculars and watched the road. After some time, there was a tanker truck. Grover saw that Kelvin's face was passed out in the dirt, and he hit Kelvin and said, Wake up, shitbird. Fuck off, said Kelvin. Fucking truck there, you see that? Kelvin took the binoculars from him. We've seen that truck before, shitbird, Kelvin said. Call me shitbird again and I'll rip your skull out of your face, you fuck. Come on. They ran back to their truck and went after the tanker. They caught up to it and drove parallel to it. Kelvin stood out of his seat, swung open the passenger door, and he readied himself to jump. If you kill that fucking guy, there will be hell to pay. I mean that, Kelvin, you hear me? Grover yelled to him. Do not kill that motherfucker. God is my witness. Do not forget that. Kelvin understood and leapt across the road and grabbed onto the tanker door. The road beneath him moved like a rapid current and he tried to break through the tanker driver's window with the binoculars. The tanker driver was a large man. He grit his teeth and screamed and slammed on the brake, sending Kelvin flying off the truck. Kelvin hit the pavement and knocked his head. The tanker slammed the gas and would have flattened Kelvin into possum soup if he'd landed a foot closer. Grover skid the truck around and drove directly towards the tanker, but Grover was too chicken and he swerved out of the way. The tanker was soon out of sight and Grover and Kelvin were left in the dust. Grover screamed and cursed repeatedly and punched the steering wheel. He got out of the truck and stomped along the road. He went to Kelvin and pulled him off the ground and Kelvin screamed in pain, his arm had popped out of its socket. Grover lifted him off the ground and together they popped his shoulder back into place. I'd rip my damn arm off and shove up your own, my own ass for all I care, said Kelvin. Ain't that a fact? It is. You colossally fucked that. Kelvin was unable to hear that. He thought and paced and said, I want to call my cousin. Then call him. On the way back, they stopped at a phone and Kelvin called his cousin. Grover waited for him in the truck. Kelvin came back from using the phone and he had ripped a plot of dead grass where he was. He tossed it into the back of the truck. Steep that grass would be good for us. Grover did not respond to that. They drove home the rest of the way and Kelvin smoked the resin from his pipe and handed it to Grover every now and again. They arrived back at Grover's Ma's house and Kelvin took the grass from the truck. Ma, we got supper. Grover yelled to her on the porch. She was in her rocking chair connected to the IV, sickly and frail, her eyes sunken. She was still and her breath was shallow. Grover saw that her head was flaccid and slumped downward. Her chin was pressed at her cheek. He saw that her IV was flashing, that the battery was no good. Fuck you doing out here, Ma? He took her brittle frame in his arms and kicked the screen door in and brought her back inside. He lay her brittle frame well, he lay her down onto her chair and desperately plugged the IV into a large battery that sat on the ground. The battery did not 
charge and Grover continued to scream and he put her body onto the couch. He went to the kitchen and threw the utensil drawer onto the ground and tossed a toaster at the window. He went back onto the porch. Kelvin dragged a car battery in from the yard and they brought it towards the couch. There was battery acid on the coils and they could not connect it to the IV. Kelvin put the coils into his mouth and cleaned them off. He connected the IV to the battery and Grover's ma's eyes fluttered open. She woke and Grover screamed at her. What the fuck were you thinking? Never fucking go out there. Never. Never fucking do it again. I told you enough times. Grover went into the kitchen and took a plastic tube from the cupboard. He smoked with it and then gave it to his mother. She inhaled some. She became more awake but still did not speak. She held it towards Kelvin who took it and smoked what was left. Kelvin and Grover sat on the porch and Grover chugged a murky liquid from a mason jar. It was made from the grass they brought in from the road. Kelvin picked at the injury he had gotten from falling onto the road. We need to be getting some help for your ma, Kelvin said. Fuck off and don't talk to me about my fucking ma. Our batteries are right fucked. I see it. She sees it. She's going out onto the porch every damn day to burn out and die. Kelvin swung at Kelvin but missed. The Grover swung at Kelvin but missed. What did I say? Did I say to squirrel fuck my dead dog you fucking ghost dick? Fuck off. Grover puked off the balcony from drinking the grass nectar. My cousin Elwood was talking to me when I called him today, Kelvin said. Fuck off, I said. You ever went in Lotus Pond? Never cared to and never will care to. I'd say fuck Lotus Pond thoroughly and eternally. How about offering that up as some advice for your bitch cousin? Well, I want to tell you something, Grover, and I hope you can listen to what I'm saying. And if you can't listen to me, then that's what it is. But at least I went ahead and gave it a shot to say it. What the fuck kind of thing are you gonna going on about? Well, Grover, it's about my family. And I don't mean where I came from. I mean you and your ma have happened to be about the only family I got for these past years. And your ma, she's damn near been a ma to me too, in case you didn't know that. I'm not hearing anything of what you're saying, man. All right, Kelvin said. Kelvin, you know that time we had that bat stuck in the outhouse when we were working in the field and folks went to drop a deuce and their ass got attacked by a shit-covered bat? Uh-huh. That's how I'm feeling now. Like you're an outhouse shit bat and I'm locked in the damn plastic container. But I'll tell you something. When I heard about that fucking shit, I took it upon myself and went in and shit in the dirt and buried it up like a cat. <laughs> no way I was getting vampire ass. Kelvin smoked more from the pipe. Some... <laughs> Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay, okay. Some guy got his wang bit off. <laughs> okay, I can get through this. Oh. Okay. Kelvin smoked more from the pipe. 
Some guy got his wang bit off and became known as Menstruation Station. Wang fell down into that outhouse pit, never to be seen again. Well, you said they got something in Fuck Pond, so what is it? <laughs> My cousin Elwood told me they got an AF generator. The fuck is AF? AF generator is a good fucking machine. Could power an old style slaughterhouse conveyor belt, let alone your ma's machine. Damn jet engine, said Kelvin. Elwood is fucking killed dead, man. I'm telling you, those AF generators something special. They run off nothing. They power themselves off some fucking shit. They got in Lotus Pond and we gotta be there. Some guy carting around a wagon with a damn mule. I told you Elwood is fucking killed dead, man. Now shut the fuck up. I'm sick of fucking hearing about it. I'm fucking done with this fucking shit. Fuck off, man. Fuck off. That's not my cousin. That's a different Elwood. My cousin is Elwood Sherwood, not Elwood Jackie Hunter, who you're thinking. Well, fuck him both, Jackie and Sherwood. Kelvin took the pipe and prepared it again. Grover, I know you go on and love your mom more than what a man can know and my ma i loved her so i know so i know that brother and that's why i'm putting it on the line to go in and help making sure your ma comes out all right kelvin took a hit off the pipe you're the closest near thing to a brother i ever got in this life so i'll tell you this grover i'll go down the road with you how come you never told me about that when you spoke to him when i waited in the truck I forgot he told me about that. Kelvin took another hit off the pipe. He handed it to Grover. He took a hit off of it and coughed his lungs out. Kelvin, I'll ask you something. Kelvin took back the pipe and inspected it. This road we're looking at, it's always the same damn road. Uh-huh. You think that... You think that it is? It's the road. That is the road God put forth for us. Would you say that's true? Kelvin looked away. He was embarrassed about the subject. Would you say that's the road God put in front of us, Kelvin? I don't know what I said. Then what the fuck did you say? It's the road. It's what road? It's the road God put. Grover smiled and said, yes. He chugged the rest of the grass nectar and smashed the jar onto the ground. And then he said, that's an amen, fuckhole. That's an, that's an amen, fuckhole. That's an amen. You want to go to Lotus Bond so bad, you little fucker? All right, man. Hold on to your fucking dick, man, and keep from pissing out a chicken's eye. Because, son, get your jerry can. You said it. We're going to fucking Lotus Pond. Kelvin caught and howled and slammed his fist onto the deck. Grover went inside of the house for a moment, and Kelvin went into the yard to get his jerry can. They got into the truck and sped down the road. That was great. So, I was really talking shit about this story for this whole episode and not thinking great about it all week, but honestly, I had so much fun reading that and remembering, because I haven't looked at this in a couple of years maybe, remembering Kelvin and Grover and those conversations and 
I'll keep working on that audiobook and if I got to make a few tweaks then I will and um, I think that could be a good one so stay tuned you can check out the audiobook of Lotus Pond Earth um, coming soon um, let me just say sincere thank you for listening to the show on this episode 10 especially it's uh means a lot on my end to have gotten gotten to 10 episodes and um i'll look forward to it again next week we'll see you then